Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hello, friends. Welcome to AULC Ministries. This is our message for this week. Our scripture lesson starts in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with serious skin diseases met him, and they stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now when you look up at the full bright moon in the night sky, you can just imagine the men actually walking on the moon. 54 years ago, July 20th, 1969, millions of people around the world watched television to see a man for the first time step on the moon. The mission was called Apollo 11, and the first man to step on the surface of the moon was Neil Armstrong. Soon another astronaut, Buzz Aldrin, stepped out of the lunar module and joined Neil Armstrong on the moon, and a third member of the space team, Michael Collins, continued to orbit the moon until the other two astronauts were ready to be picked up and returned to Earth. Now, when Neil Armstrong stepped out on the surface of the moon, he said, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Now, perhaps you've heard someone use the phrase, a leap of faith. That means that you must make a decision when you don't have all the facts. When the astronauts blast off from the Earth, they had a lot of information, but no one had ever landed on the moon, so they weren't even certain that they would be successful. There were a lot of risks. They had to have the confidence in all the people who had worked so hard to make the Apollo 11 mission as safe as possible. And when Armstrong stepped out onto the moon, he was taking a big first step. There's a story in the Bible in which Jesus asked 10 people who had a disease called leprosy to take the first step to be healed. They asked to be healed saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now as they traveled, they were healed. The healing happened after they obeyed and started on their journey to go to the priest. They took the first step, a big first step, a leap of faith in believing that if they did what Jesus told them to do, they would be healed, and they were. Now, can you imagine what it was like to be a leper, to be infected with a deadly disease and forced to live out in the countryside, to be cut off from your family, to have no way to make a living, to be forced to warn passerbys of your presence by shouting, unclean! Now, I read a book that gave me a tiny glimpse into the world of social lepers. The book was called Catch Me If You Can by Frank Abagnale. 
You may have seen the movie by the, the same name called Catch Me If You Can, produced by Steven Spielberg and starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Abagnale was one of the world's most famous con men. He cashed over $2 million in fraudulent checks. The most astounding thing about his criminal career, however, wasn't his success in cashing bad checks, but his success in posing as a commercial airline pilot, an attorney, a college professor, and a physician. Now, while I was fascinated by Abagnale's misdeeds, I was also fascinated to see what happened when he was finally caught. He made the mistake of going to France to retire from his life of crime. A stewardess recognized him, and soon he found himself in a French jail cell. He learned too late about French jails. They stripped him naked, threw him into a cell with no cot, no toilet, no wash basin, and most of all, no light. The sole piece of furniture was a bucket, a bucket that was not often emptied. He slept naked on a stone floor. He was allowed no visitors, no phone calls, no contact with the outside world, and I'm sure that a first century leper could have sympathized with his situation. But I was also interested to see what happened when Abagnale was finally released from prison. Except for an occasional minimum wage job, he couldn't get work. When he did find a job, people would groom him for better things. Then they would discover his criminal record and fire him. He'd be back on the street again looking for a job, any job, and it was a terrible time for him. But then Abagnale realized that his life of crime had also prepared him to advise banks and other companies regarding the ways to prevent theft. So he began a successful consulting business. Now, not many former prisoners are able to recover as well. Most are limited to low-paying menial work, and many never recover anything that we would regard as a normal life. So unclean, unclean, these lepers had to warn passerbys lest the passerby accidentally touched the leper and became infected. Now, as Jesus entered a village on the border of Galilee and Samaria, ten lepers, shouting another greeting, Jesus, Master, they cried, have mercy on us. That was a leper's only hope, mercy. The usual mercy was just a small coin, a bit of money to buy a bit of bread. But these lepers had heard tales of Jesus' miracles, and they didn't want just a small mercy. They wanted a big mercy. They wanted healing. They wanted to be made whole again. They wanted Jesus to restore their lives. Luke tells us when Jesus saw them. That's in verse 14 of our text today. He saw them. And that's a small detail that we must not overlook. Jesus saw these lepers. Now, we tend not to see lepers, or sick people, or people without hope, or dying people. Someone once did a study of hospital traffic patterns. They found that as a patient was dying, doctors and nurses visited less and less frequently. Family members visited less and less frequently, too. And I can understand that. It's just too painful to look onto the face of death, knowing that you can't chase death from the door. But Jesus saw these lepers. He didn't avert his eyes like most people do. He didn't toss them a coin and then hurry on his way. He saw them. And Jesus answered their request in a way that seems a little strange. Unless you know the story of Naaman, 
in the Old Testament. Let me bring you up to speed on that story real quick. Naaman was a great general. He was the king's right-hand man. But Naaman was also a leper. A servant girl suggested to Naaman's wife that Elisha, the man of God, could heal her husband. So Naaman went to see Elisha. However, instead of healing Naaman, Elisha tells him to go bathe in the river Jordan seven times. Naaman was insulted. If he wanted to bathe in a river, they had plenty of rivers where he came from, and he didn't need to make this long trip only to be told to bathe in the river Jordan. But one of Naaman's servants came to him with this plea. The servant said, My father, if the prophet had asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? How much rather than when he says to you, wash and be clean? We see that in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 13. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all have a servant like that, someone who could just help us to see the folly of our ways before we jumped? Naaman's service did it so nicely. He just said, if he had told you to do something hard, you would have done it. But he told you to do something easy. Why not give it a chance? What have you got to lose? So Naaman went down to the river Jordan. He washed himself seven times. And the Bible tells us his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young child. And he was clean. Now can you imagine? Naaman bathed once. Nothing happened. He bathed again. Nothing happened. He bathed six times. and Nothing happened. Then he bathed one more time. Just like the man of God had instructed him to do. And he was clean. He was clean. Naaman was overjoyed. Returned to Elisha to give thanks and to praise God. And he tells us tell, uh, in, in chapter 5, verse 15 of Second Kings, See now, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. In like manner, Jesus tells these ten lepers to step out in faith. He didn't heal them. He just told them to present themselves to the priest. Now the priest in those days were leprosy inspectors. Priests were responsible for determining whether a person had leprosy or not, whether or not they could return to their families. By telling the lepers to go to the priest, Jesus was saying in effect that they should start on their journey, knowing that they had not yet been healed, but having faith that they would be healed before they arrived at the priest's doorstep. It was a small thing that Jesus told these lepers to do, to walk away from him and to go to the priest. But it was a great thing too. These men had lived without hope for so long. Now, instead of healing them, Jesus tells them to leave, to go away, as if they've been healed, to step out in faith that they would be healed. They did what Jesus told them to do, and it happened. Luke tells us as they went, they were cleansed. Wow, cleansed, made whole, amazing. Jesus calls us to do the same kind of step out in faith kind of faith. He calls us every day to do little things in faith, expecting that God will do right by us. He calls us to little things, like helping someone who needs help, like loving our neighbor like taking our kids to church, like tithing. It might be easier if Jesus told us to do something hard. 
when Elisha told Naaman to bathe in the River Jordan, it made Naaman angry. We have better rivers than this back home, Naaman said. But Naaman's loyal servant had it right when he said, My father, if the prophet had asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? And how much rather when he says to you, wash and be clean. Naaman goes down to the river Jordan, washes himself seven times, and his flesh was restored like the young flesh of a young child, and he was clean. Now, it might have been easier for the lepers if Jesus had just given them a difficult assignment, something commensurate with the great blessing that they were asking. They might have found it easier to believe Jesus if he told them to crawl on their hands and knees to the temple in Jerusalem. But instead, Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. Jesus hadn't healed the lepers, but he asked them to take a small step of faith to show their belief that he would heal them. They took that step, and as they went, they were cleansed. Now, it might be easier for us if Jesus had made it harder for us, if he gave us a tremendous challenge. Instead, Jesus calls us to step out in faith in a thousand little ways. That's not easy. If it's difficult to do something great for Jesus, it's sometimes even more difficult to do ordinary things for Jesus day by day. The late preacher Fred Craddock put it this way, he said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think that giving all, our, all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table saying, here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in that $1,000 for quarters. We go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there. Listen to the neighbor's kids' troubles instead of saying, get lost. Go to a committee meeting. Give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life, little by little, over the long haul. So look for the little ways to be faithful to Jesus this week. Show a kindness to someone that you would usually pass by. Set aside a few minutes to read the scriptures and to pray. Examine your heart to find something dark that you should give up. Re-examine your stewardship to see if you're doing what you should. Invite someone to church. If you make a habit of doing these little things for Christ, he will use those little things to whittle the sharp edges from your life. He will use them to reshape your heart and your thinking. He will make it possible for you to love the unlovely and he will bless your life. But that will happen only when you step out in faith, when you begin to obey Jesus in some little thing. That's our Lord's message for this Lord's Day, and I hope you got a blessing out of it. Go out this week, be a blessing and be blessed, because the more you're blessing, the more you will be blessed. I want to thank you all for watching and listening, and we will see you all next week.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.